Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in here to My W Sports, Sports Sunday. Always a pleasure to be back at it after a week in sports. Luis Sanchez, the wonderful Kyle Westcott joining me this evening. Kyle, how are you this week? I'm doing great. The wonderful. Wow, I feel so so special. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, it's, it's a great Sunday night, so, I, you know, I'm in a good mood. Everybody's in a good mood. A lot of great sports going on this week. Kyle, we had, I think, you know, some news from every specific sport this week come out. Uh, United Lacrosse League had some some news. We saw some hockey retirements, NWSL draft. I mean, some football tryouts. It was a plethora of sports to pick from this week. Yeah, and, and a plethora of sports as well as some some just unbelievable action. Not just the sports, but the action within the sports. Absolutely. But, you know, we have NWSL draft to get to. We'll get you with those results. Uh, first thing on the show, we got plenty of hockey, some college hockey, some professional hockey, and as we mentioned, some international news as well. Some. Let's bring it over to you for the fun fact of the week. Sure. The fun fact of the week this week is uh, speaking of the, the NWSL draft, USC had three players Morgan Andrews, Kayla Mills, and Miranda Freeman, all taken in the first round of the 2000, um, or from the 2016 NCAA champions, uh, they became the third school to do this in WSL history, joining UCLA and Florida State. And uh, also, not just three in the top, but five total from, from one great team. So good news for, for USC and good news for those players heading to the NWSL. Absolutely. Exciting time. And Kyle, let's get right into it. This, there's plenty of news coming out of the soccer world this past week. Let's, let's talk about the Western New York Flash completing their move um, to North Carolina. I think a lot of people were stunned by this, and you and I kind of talked about it. When we talked about expansion for the NWSL, it wasn't, it wasn't relocating a team. It was the growth of more teams in the league. Were you a little surprised by this move? I was shocked. I was shocked. Like you said, we talked two, three weeks ago. We had heard that there was a um, a uh, interested party down in North Carolina that wanted to to have a uh, NWSL team, and so we totally thought that this meant that there was going to be a new team in North Carolina. We never thought that not only the Western New York Flash in in a team that that has such history, but the defending champions. Uh, to take them out of Western New York and send them to to North Carolina, this this was shocking 
uh, at the very least. And that's that's exactly you know you're defending champs and we see teams that struggle to get fans in the stands or teams that struggle in play usually move to get a change of scenery a change of I mean when you have a, is this unprecedented in a certain sense you have defending champs of a league moving to a different location Oh I mean I I don't know for sure over the course of you know 100 plus years but but I got to believe it's it's I know for a fact it's the first time in quite a while, if, if it's ever happened before. To see the courage, uh, which former New York North Carolina courage, part of NWSL. So in year, team to North Carolina. Obviously, some league just be playing on the and they added some pieces. So let's get right into the draft, Kyle. Um, I think I had owners. Start the Breakers, get back to the NC Courage. The Boston Breakers had four picks in the first round. I'm looking at and I have the list of players. Can can really dweller to a middle of the pack, a top four team. Uh, a lot of people thought she ends up going first. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Breakers? And then we'll talk, uh, we'll talk about the uh, three players like. All right, so I think I might have lost Kyle on that one. Give me one second. Kyle, are you there with me now? Yeah, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, great. Um, So, I mean, I think this was a great opportunity for the Breakers, who've had a couple of struggling seasons in a row now, and they really loaded up on um, different – on draft picks, not only in the first round, but overall. And – you know, to to pick up some some great players uh, for them after losing. I mean, they did lose a couple of good players in Mewis uh, and Shilligard, but they added such great players in the draft that I think this could be a, a really good break for the Breakers. And you know, you you talk about players that that they need. Were these some of the players that they needed? Yeah, I mean, I think when we look back at at last year specifically, we saw um, a real turn in the the defense and a real turn in the goalkeeping, and we saw some really good goaltending efforts from the Breakers last year. Um, And what we didn't see was scoring. And when you're adding, you know, players like uh, Lavelle and and Andrews, you're going to get some more scoring. These are these are players that are proven. These are players that have. Um, not only great pedigrees through high school and college, but have also played on national teams over the past in the U-17s uh, and the U-20s. Um, so they've been around. They've, they've played against the best of the best. Um, and, and I think that this is definitely these at least the, the first three, um, and, and I'm going to butcher her name, so I apologize ahead of time, but Onu Manu, um, also, again, another great player out of California who um, plays is currently playing on the U23 team uh, for the United States. I think this is just a great opportunity to, to pick up some goal scorers, and, and that's what the Breakers have needed of late. Yeah, what kind of surprised me was Margaret Purse out of Harvard. Um, but and then you kind of think about what other teams did later in the draft, and, and Boston with four picks, you can kind of assume that they would have 
picks to do this, but uh, you saw more teams do, you know, that hometown pick, that close-to-home kind of pick. And I thought this was their kind of close-to-home pick, except in the fourth when they up uh, Haley Dowd at, at Boston College. But um, do you have any winners and losers in this draft, Kyle? Do you think there was a team that kind of stood out? Um, I mean, I think, again, like I said, with Boston getting, you know, six picks in, in the draft, I think that was a great uh, draft for them. I would say that they are definitely a winner. Um, I also think that it, although the dash only got three players, I think you don't normally see a goaltender go in the second round. Usually the goaltenders go a little later and they pick up Jane Campbell out of Stanford, who's a great goaltender. And I think that's, that's going to help uh, the dash this year as well. I think she's going to fit in uh, pretty nicely right away. I mean, I think personally the biggest loser for me in the draft was the pride. You know, you see a team like the Pride who is, is going to be without the services of, of Allie Morgan for a while, and they, they didn't have the draft picks to help support them and bring in a new young uh, crew to kind of support them into their second season. They get a couple of draft picks in the third and fourth rounds. I, I don't know if that's going to be enough to help them out. You know, I think they, they could have added some more uh, this, this off season. start where you know they played a lot of road games before that first big home game and um they they had a great and Morgan is net who's one of the best uh keepers in in soccer but one I, of the best? I think I think the I, were, I I thought I heard uh, that she was the best on the continent uh, you know I heard that too I rumor, rumor has it that she was voted <laughs> the best on the continent but I think I think Hope so still is the number one goalie across the planet. And I, I, I should say the universe, because she, she is, as we say here, she's a beast. I, I have to totally agree with you. <laughs> but I, so I'll, give, I'll give you mine, Kyle. I, I think for me, it was Sky Blue who were the winners. Um, I think they, they had uh, some really great picks, and they utilized their picks later in the draft to pick up some really That's they needed players who can create, mainly in the midfield, uh, to help a player like Cal Rodriguez pick up uh, pick up a, a ball later. You know, in, in on the field. Uh, and I think that's what Sky played with this year, the midfield. And so I, I love the matching here. It's going to come off like you're a BC guy, bloody, uh, but I was able to see McKenzie play, and a lot of people at BC um, were really were. Higher, the, higher on her than um, than Kristen Mew is going out on the draft. So any thoughts on Sky Blue and their picks? Again, I think Sky Blue did a nice job of, of moving up in the draft and picking up, uh, as you said, defense and, and midfielders that are really going to help them out who come <laughs> the first two picks from USC. Obviously, you know, the USC uh, group really knows what they're doing as, as they were just national champions. Um, so there's a, there's a idea of winning there, which is a good thing for them. Um, so I think that's a good thing to start with sky blue who, you know, they've been right in the middle of the pack and, and hopefully this will help them, uh, move up into that playoff, uh, round for, uh, for the NWSL. And, and I think it was a deep class too. I mean, as you just said, uh, Madison Tiernan out of Rutgers in the third round. I think that's a great pickup late in, in the third round. And I think even uh, Katrina Atanda from, from Clemson as well uh, for, for another midfielder to help out Sky Blue. So, yeah, I agree. I think 
um, that whole sky blue class is going to really help support what they picked up last year uh, in the draft and, and what they already had as well. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I guess the biggest loser, the Chicago sky, I mean, not Chicago sky, the Chicago red stars. But if the Chicago Sky were in the NWSL, I wouldn't pick Elena Deladon for MVP either. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would. I think I think she'd be a great forward. No, she would have to be in goal. She, you think so? She has yeah. the length, but I with, mean, with those if, long if you arms on a break. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, Simi isn't a big player. She she was phenomenal. But I agree. I think I, I I hear what you're saying with the Chicago Red Stars. You know, they again trading and and getting moving down in the draft. I don't think helped them out. Yes, they had three in the second round, um, but you know, I think that they they needed, especially losing Crystal Dunn, they needed to refill that forward spot. And I, just looking at these four players, you know, I think Katie Johnson is a very good player. Um, again, coming out of USC. But um, I, I just don't see enough here to really help them um, be able to move forward. I think that they're a team that were at the top of their game last year, um, went into the playoffs on a high, ended up losing in the playoffs. But losing Crystal Dunn, you need to replace that that goal scoring, and, and they didn't do that in this draft, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll For Leonis, uh, Kyle, is it is this kind of the start of something for Alex overseas? I think so. I mean, she seems very excited um, to be over there. She uh, sent out a, a Twitter message um, showing her her new hat, her new uh, colors, and um, and and I think that she's very happy over there. And I think that it's a good opportunity for her. As she said when she left, uh, she wanted to play with and against the best of the best. She wanted to train the best way that she could. Um, and I think that this is a great opportunity for her to, to advance her skills beyond what they already are. And I think that's really saying a lot, especially for a player like Alex Morgan. Um, but, but I think that this is going to really set her above uh, the rest. And I think that's a great thing because then she's going to come back at some point and hopefully bring that knowledge back to the Orlando Pride and bring that knowledge back to the national team. And I think it's only going to be a benefit for everybody here in the United States as well. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about growing the game, you, know, you mentioned Crystal Dunn also going overseas. Those moves with, with a lot of players in this draft, you know, a Buchanan playing overseas from West Virginia, um, what were your thoughts of, of just some of the players who came out? Do you think they'll make that move as well, that, you know, they'll play overseas? Or um, do you think that this helps the league kind of further their growth going into year five? You mean the players in the draft? Yeah, players in the draft. No, I think that, I mean, I don't see it a ton of, there wasn't a ton of um, international drafting. This was all uh, out of college. So a lot of these players, I believe, are all, um, ready to stay in the U.S. And, and expect to continue to play here in the U.S. I think what we would think of are, are the players, um, you know, that that play for other national teams 
or play on the U.S. national team that know what it's like to play against the best of the best and play overseas. Um, and, and I think that these players are probably still young to think about going overseas at other times. But, you know, I think more about like uh, like a Lady Andre, um, especially with the move now. I think there's a huge question for her going from Western New York down to North Carolina. Does she stay uh, in North Carolina or does she head home to play in Columbia? Um, I think those are kinds of some of the questions that that'll have to be answered in the the coming weeks and months before we start this NWSL season. Absolutely. And I'm really excited for it. I know you are as well, Kyle. Uh, we'll see how our breakers rebound from a, from a, a tough season, but you know, we'll keep it going here on my W sports. Let's move from football to football, Kyle. We had a lot going on. EA had, had a great feature on my W sports this week on the New York sharks, sharks, excuse me, and their final tryout. Um, so go check that out on my W sports.com. But, but Kyle, we talked about the sharks. We, we've gotten familiar with Pittsburgh, but now we're playing musical chairs with some teams. There's there's a lot of teams making a switch here, either going from the IWFL to the WFA, some teams leaving the leagues to go to this new USA Football League. I mean, a lot to look forward to in football this upcoming year. Definitely. I mean, I think back to, you know, our our 2016 show, and we highlighted just an unbelievable moment last year when the Minnesota Vixen um, – were able to take a pick six back and win in the semifinals um, against the New York Sharks. The New York Sharks won't have to worry about the Minnesota Vixens this year because they're going to the WFA. Um, I just, you know, you look at the teams in the WFA now, which as a whole across the country is up to 65 teams now. And teams are being added across the country. There are uh, three new teams out in kind of the, uh, Utah, Rocky Mountain area. Um, there's two or three new teams out in four teams. Sorry, four new teams out in California. Um, we saw also um, from the release from the WFA that uh, New England is even going to add three new teams. You have a, a national conference colonial division, which has had um, some of the best of the best. You've got the two-time defending BC Divas in there. You've got the Boston Renegades in there. And then now you're going to add many, many uh, teams from either New York or um, the New New England area, and that's just going to be a huge conference, a huge division there that is going to make it even more difficult for some of these, even some of the best teams uh, to come out of. Yeah, and that's a great point, Kyle, because we thought, you know, at least I thought going into last year, well, Pittsburgh dominated in the IWFL for years, you know, and they're going to make the switch to the WFA and, and play some teams that they used to play and some new teams. And here I thought, oh, they're going to go through these teams as well. Pittsburgh's that good. And we saw that Pittsburgh didn't have that same kind of success in, in the WFA last season. So is there a team that you think this year should be on, on our fans' radar for, for football, either in the IWFL or the WFA? Did I lose you there, Kyle? I think I lost Kyle there, but uh, 
Yeah, so we'll we'll get back to him on that question. But a lot of things to look forward to in the IWFL and the WFA. For me, the Boston Renegades are obviously a great team to look forward to, especially if Allison Cahill stays healthy. Um, But, you know, Kyle, I guess the question back to you is, when we're looking at these teams and their transitions into these new leagues, is there one that sticks out? Is Minnesota, you know, a team that we should be watching out for? Do you think they'll take a step back moving into a different conference? Well, I mean, I think you have to look at, at two teams that specifically came out of uh, the IWFL that have have had experience, have had history. These aren't new teams. These are teams that are just shifting from one league to the other. And, and I think about, as you said, uh, the Minnesota Vixen, but I also think the Carolina Phoenix are going to be able to meld right into that Southeast division. Um, that's a division that the Atlanta Phoenix have been able to uh, handle the last couple of years. And I think that they're going to be a really good team to go in there and really mix it up with Atlanta and some of those other, uh, you know, Alabama and some of those other uh, teams that have been in the WFA for a few years now. Absolutely. So we'll see if the Utah Falcons can defend their championship in the IWFL and if the DC Divas can go back to back to back. In the WSA. Stay with Cal and I for yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Stay with Cal and I for uh, football talk this year. As we are ab- absolutely excited. I-, I mean, I still get jitters waiting for you know that first game of the year because I-, I am so excited to promote uh, these leagues this year, Cal. And I know I know you are as well. I am, and I- I'm really excited, especially like I said with. Now 65 teams across the country in the WFA. Um, I think this is going to be a huge year for women's uh, professional football. Absolutely. So stay with MyW Sports for all your updates. And, of course, go follow Gridiron Beauty. If you do so, you might be in line for a $50 uh, gift card to Victoria Sports. Really cool uh, giveaway that our friends over at Great Gridiron Beauty are doing. So give them a follow on Twitter. They have a, a exceptional uh, football talk and gear. So if you need any, go check it out at gridironbeauty.com or follow them on social media at gridironbeauty. Uh, Great stuff from them, right, Kyle? Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about uh, women's professional football in in multiple leagues, um, they they are one of the front runners, if not the front runner of of the best and most uh, most knowledgeable information of, of anybody out there. So they are, are just a dynamite group of, of people who are uh, really supporting women's professional football. Absolutely. So go give them a follow. Uh, as always, you can follow. You can check out MyW Sports. We just released a tweet earlier today. If you need help getting uh, getting to that social media account, just go to MyW Sports on Twitter uh, or MyWSports.com. All right, Cal, we've, we talked some, some football and some football. Uh, let's get into some hockey talk. We had a lot of action this week, and I think we have a new saying here at MyW Sports, and it's Saturdays for hockey. <laughs> It sure is, isn't it? I mean, it seems to me that the Saturday games have just, they're just on fire. Like every Saturday game ends up being this amazing shootout or this, this incredible overtime game. And it leaves you like so tired that you wake up Sunday morning and you're like, oh, I got to go watch some more hockey. Yeah, it's like more, people go out on Saturday nights and they have these hangovers on Sunday from drinking. You know, we have it from just watching hockey. Yeah, definitely. 
So let's get right into probably one of the biggest, uh, the biggest matchup this weekend uh, in CWHL action. The Calgary Inferno, number one in the league, going up against uh, Les Canadiens de Montreal. And Kyle, as you mentioned, these games are always so much fun. And add the fact that Saturdays just seem to add some more excitement in the stands and on the ice. This was a 5-4 overtime victory for the Inferno. Brianne Jenner scores the tying goal in the third, about midway through the third, and then scores the game-winning goal in overtime to lift the Inferno to a victory. Montreal, they were uh, three of six on the power play in this matchup. Catherine Heron, uh, she made 22 saves for Les Canadiens, but it was Genevieve Lacasse who, who really put it on ice. In the third and in overtime, nothing would get by Lacasse, and we saw that here with the Blades last year. Um, so, Kyle, give me your thoughts on this matchup. I mean, these two teams are the front runners in the CWHL to make the Clarkson Cup final. Absolutely, and I think this is a preview of what that Clarkson Cup final would look like. Just an unbelievable back-and-forth battle. Uh, and, and what it came down to is great goaltending with with Lacasse shutting down the the Montreal offense in the third and overtime, and and that is exactly what you have to do with Montreal. You have to stop them from scoring, which is a very difficult thing to do and thing to say when you're going up against all of those great goal scorers that they have. Um, but Lacasse was up for the task, and and that's how the Inferno were able to to stop Lace Canadiens. Yeah, Montreal out shooting Calgary 30-28 to in that first matchup. And in game two, we saw a completely different game, Kyle. It was Montreal kind of striking first in this one, taking a, a 1-0 lead about three minutes in. Uh, Calgary responded, but then again, it just seems like Anne-Sophie Batez is having a year. She scores her 14th goal. It was the second one in the period, so she scored both goals in the first period for Montreal to give them a 2-1 to lead. Um, and then, you know, back and forth play in the second. Montreal wins it in the third with two goals. Uh, late, I think it was like with three minutes left, they scored a goal. And then uh, late it, with an empty netter, Marie-Philippe Poulin, she put one in. So in game two, it was a little bit different. Montreal seemed to carry the series and carry the momentum on the ice. What did you see from the Les Canadiens in that second matchup? Again, it comes down to if they can uh, force their way with their offense. And in this one, you know, again, when you can't slow down Anne-Sophie Batez, uh, she's going to score and score and score and score. And that's what she was able to do in this game. Absolutely, and uh, a good rebound game for Catherine Heron, who had 23 saves in the win for Montreal. Uh, thoughts on Mashmeyer? I mean, she doesn't really look the same this year, Kyle, whether it's with the Team Canada uh, in the Four Nations Cup, or, and even now this season, maybe it's just me and, and you know all the talk last year, all the media uh, hype about you know Emirates Mashmeyer is the best, and, and nothing's going to get by her. We saw her uh, play phenomenal with the national team, but this year, I don't know, is there something missing for her for you? No, I think I think this is a, a player who has graduated. She has moved on, and she is now playing against. Um, players on her own national team and they practice against her all the time and they know her uh, moves and they know her, her deficiencies and they're going to take advantage of that. And I think that's all this is here. I think she's still a great goaltender. I mean, we saw her beat Montreal in, de- in uh, December, I think it was uh, by shutting them down. And, and, you know, when she's on, she's on. And, and unfortunately, again, when, when, you have a an offense like Montreal. If you can if you're not at the best peak ability that you can be, uh, they're going to beat you. And uh, unfortunately, that's what happened here. 
Absolutely. So on Saturday, <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday, the Calgary Inferno defeat Les Canadiens de Montreal 5-4 in overtime, and then Les Canadiens get their redemption in Game 2 this afternoon with a 4-1 victory over the Inferno. All right, Cal, back to Saturday. We had another great game in the CWHL. Brampton, uh, they've seemed to kind of right the ship this year, and so far in the last couple of games look really, really good. Thunder sweep the series this weekend, 4-3 in that Saturday matchup, 2-0 on the Sunday matchup. On on on. Saturday, excuse me, uh, Jess Jones scores late in the third period to give Brampton the 4-3 win, and Jones is having a great year. Um, you look at the opposite end of the ice, is Nat- Natalie Spooner kind of carries that, that Fury's team. She scored all three goals uh, for Toronto, but this, this kind of showed me something for Brampton. Um, we talked last week about, hey, Brampton is one of those teams you want to be careful. They, they can, you know, right the ship at the right time and, and go on a run. Did this weekend show you anything or, or kind of prove that point? Oh, it definitely proved that point for me. I mean, I think, I think Erica Howe is a great goaltender, um, and and I think when she's again, I'll say the same thing I said with Mashmeyer. When she's on, she's hot. And and in the first game, you know, maybe she wasn't perfect, um, but you know, when it comes down to uh, the power play situations, Toronto is just not not scoring on the power play, and that's going to hurt you when when you get a power play. You know, you have to take advantage of that. You have to put the net. Uh, sorry, you have to put the puck in the net and and take advantage of it. And they weren't able to do that. And I I don't think it was all their fault. I mean, I think a lot of it comes back to Erica Howe was just has just been phenomenal when uh, when she's on the the disadvantage of that of of a power play. Absolutely. And, you know, that we talk about Calgary and their great goaltending. Liz Knox has also kind of picked it up. And in game two, we saw her put up the 2-0 shutout. So is goaltending and defense becoming the strength of the Thunder so far in this, you know, second half of the season? Yes and no. I mean, I think that the Thunder still need to um, still need to outscore people to win. I still think that they're an offense first um, team. I think uh, Liz Knox and Erica Howe both do a great job of keeping it um, as close as possible, but I think that they need to be an offensive team to be able to win. I think they need to rely on on their goal scorers, um, and and we've seen a, a increase in in not only goal scoring for them as we've moved through the season, but a little bit better defense from the defensive end, not from the goaltending end. And I I really like the Thunder to continue to grow throughout the rest of this season. That's exactly what we saw last season. They got better as the season went on, and I think we're going to see the same thing with Brampton this year too. Absolutely. So with the win, Brampton jumps ahead of the Toronto Furies for third place. Toronto drops to fourth. Boston on a bye this weekend. They'll return to action next weekend, uh, and we'll keep you up to date this week on this previous action and what's coming up uh, this upcoming weekend for CWHL Hockey. Kyle, let's move to the other league. The NWHL had a couple of games this weekend as well. And first it was Saturday with the New York Riveters traveling up to Buffalo to take on the Buttes. And it was a a feisty game to start, but it settled down. And you saw these two teams, obviously rivals. Um, New York put up another shutout, a 3-0 victory over the Buttes. Uh, The thing with New York, I guess in my opinion, and, and you can jump on this thought, is, you know, when they're good, 
it's not one player. You know, it's not one goalkeeper. It's not just one talented player out on the ice. It seems like when they're good, it's a collection. It's a collective effort from the team. And you'll see scorers like Mie Dench, Michelle Picard, Janine Weber, different players get on the scoreboard. And whether it's in, in the goals or the assists, they find the way to win. Is that going to help them? Or do you agree with that thought first? Oh, absolutely. I think that's exactly what the Riveters have to be and have to rely on. They have to... They all have to take the opportunities when they get them. They can't, they can't rely on one person. And I think that's a great thing for the Riveters is to play a great team uh, kind of game. Early in the season last year, we talked about that's what the, the Whale were doing. And I think uh, there was a little change in that as we got later in the season. And we saw a change in the Whale. And I think the Riveters have taken that this year. And you're, as you said, you're, you're seeing a spread of goal. You're seeing a spread of of different lines are able to go out and per- produce for, for the Riveters. And I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. So we talked about Michelle Picard and Janine Weber. They scored the first two goals uh, in a four-minute spurt early in that first period. I think it was like a three-minute uh, time frame in between goals. And they take a 2-0 lead, and they, they don't look back, Kyle. Buffalo struggled in this matchup. They were 0-5 on the power play. Although they outshot New York 29-22, to um, it was Katie Fitzgerald in the net kind of just blocking every chance that, that came on net. And um, – you know, with 29 saves, you have to give credit where credit due. It's a second shutout, um, and only her rookie season with the Riveters. And 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 again, it's the rookies that have really really stepped up for the Riveters. You know, I know they didn't score in this game, but but you're still seeing great uh, play from Mia Dench and and from uh, Russo helping them out. And and Fitzgerald's another one. And in net, Fitzgerald and, and Shin have been amazing this year for the Riveters, and, and that's why they're they're where they are right now. Absolutely. So with the win, the Riveters actually jump into second place, and it would be Connecticut now trying to jump back into second on Sunday playing the Boston Pride, and that's today, obviously. So Boston travels to Connecticut, Kyle. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because I'm at this Frozen Fenway event on Tuesday, and the Boston Pride are holding a youth clinic uh, with, you know, different youth programs across the state, and it was it was phenomenal. But one of the players I saw out on the ice um, – was Jillian Dempsey. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, Dempsey has had a quiet year. And, and I wonder what's going to happen in the second half. Is she going to go off? Is is she going to play like, you know, the, the enforcer role that, you know, on, on that, on that decent line, I should say with uh, Brianna Decker and Hillary Knight, right? Um, is she going to play that role that she played last year? And, she comes into this matchup. She scores twice to lead the Pride to a victory over the Whale, a 4-0, a 4-0 victory over Connecticut uh, this afternoon. And the Whale, you talked about it. They're a team that when they get going, they get going. They shot 37 shots on Brittany Yacht, and she saved all of them, Kyle. We also saw Hillary Knight make her uh, debut again for the second time this season, but a lot of people might have forgot that she, she has been on the ice at least once. Uh, what were your thoughts about this matchup? Uh, I I just don't see the whale right now being able to to compete with the pride. I I I think this was an example of the difference right now between the what the pride have and what the whale have. And as you said, the riveters moved up into into second, and I, I think that the whale are are falling. You know, I don't want to say fast, but you know they're they're moving in the wrong direction and i don't just say that because they lost to the pride but we've seen in in games previous to this they're just not playing 
as good of hockey as they should be playing. You know, there is some really good talent on the whale and it's, it's just not, it's not turning into production. It's not turning into goals right now. I'm sorry. You think about 37 shots. They have, they have these opportunities and they have, you know, talented players. You think about a Kelly stack, a, a Haley Skorupa who, who came on the scene really hot uh, for the NWHL to start her year. And it seems like they've cooled off a bit. So is there a way that they can write the ship though, Kyle? Uh, tough one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think that their goaltending uh, really needs to step up and really needs to, um, you know, keep a team like the pride. You need to hold them back. You can't let them score four on you. If you, if you know that, that you're not going to be able to score, you know, as many. And I, and I think that in games that they've won, you've, you've seen them score quite a bit. And, you know, there was, like you said, there was a lot of shots on that. There were 37 shots on that, but you know, how many of those, how many of those were on the power play? How many of those were uh, times when they had a, a clear shot or they had a clear control of the puck in the zone. I don't know that they're really set. And again, I, I say this when they're doing this against the pride, but I, I look forward as well to their next game. You know, are they going to be able to really uh, control the puck and control in, in whether it's on a power play or whether it's just in the zone uh, the next time that they face the riveters uh, or, or they face the, you know, because right now they're going to have to play for second place. And I don't know that if they play like they did against the Pride that they're going to beat the Riveters or the or the Buttes either. And Kyle, the Pride extend their winning streak to nine in a row this season. Uh, it dates back to last January, so over a year now, the Pride have not lost a game. Um, they have the longest streak in, in pro hockey. I mean, are they going to finish the season undefeated? Are they going to win this this Isabel Cup for for back to back years? Okay, so let me start with the first question. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're going to finish undefeated. I, I really do believe that uh, when the Riveters put it all together, when the Riveters are playing at their peak, uh, when Kessel comes back and is able to uh, help them out, you know, I, I really believe that the, the Riveters might have an opportunity to, to beat the Pride. Um, question two, do I think they'll win the Isabel Cup? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we'll actually get to see that matchup this upcoming weekend on Saturday, the 21st, as the Boston Pride travel to Newark to take on the New York Riveters. So we'll see if Amanda Kessel hits the ice in this matchup and if the Riveters uh, can can hold off a, a streaking Boston Pride team that pretty much looks unbeatable so far this season. But um, we'll see that game on Saturday the 21st against New York Riveters Boston Pride. Um, all right, Cal, all-star game is – Pittsburgh is in Pittsburgh, excuse me, and the skills challenge is February 11th. The all-star game is February 12th. I think last show I messed the dates up, so just wanted to get that right and make sure everybody was on board. Um, we talked about it. This is an exciting time for for the league and for the players. Um, what are your thoughts about this all-star game? I, I think it's a great opportunity uh, for, um, you know, for players to go out and have some fun and also to – to really show Pittsburgh what what this uh, NWHL is all about. And I think it's a, a great opportunity um, for some of the players that have grown up around 
Pittsburgh or or lived around Pittsburgh or have just Pittsburgh ties um, to to bring it back to to Pittsburgh and and show that it it is a a great uh, a great thing to watch and there there's some amazing athletes that are playing in the NWHL. Absolutely. And from the NWHL, let's move to some of the future players of the NWHL. We saw some college hockey this weekend, and it was filled with action, Kyle. And, I I mean, for the most part, I'm not going to lie, I scoreboard watch, but when I get a a free uh, live link where there's a school that streams their games and I don't have to sign up for a, a yearly pass, I watch those games too. And, this weekend I got to see a lot of games, not only for, you know, Boston college playing and I got to broadcast that, but a lot of great games. And let's start with number seven, Robert Morris, because up until this weekend, the only team to defeat Robert Morris was your Merrimack warriors. Go warriors. There you go. So they fall on Friday to Lindenwood two to one. Um, and a little bit of a shock, but they bounced back, Kyle. And for me, Robert Morris, they're one of those teams that they look like they can beat you if you don't take them lightly. I mean, if you take them lightly, if you if you look at them and you're like, oh, Robert Morris, you know, and you're in the NCAA tournament, that, that could be a first-round upset. Are you on that ship? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they know how to win. They've been doing it all season. And, yes, they had a little blip this past weekend, but – um, this is a team that knows how to win, and and when it comes playoff time, it, it's a one and done uh, playoff. So you know if if they come in with a hot hand, if they come in uh, knowing their team, you know EA last week talked about the the miracle on ice. You know anything's possible in in sports, and and that could be the case for for Robert Morris. Absolutely, it's going to be an exciting year to watch that team and. Um... Let's get right into the other action on Friday. We saw Colgate fall to Quinnipiac. Colgate number nine, uh, number eight in the country. Quinnipiac number nine. So these two teams playing at it. Quinnipiac not really as great as they were last year, but they're starting to you know get get their players to buy into the philosophy down in Connecticut. And this game showed it a two zero shutout for uh, the Wildcats. Boston College holds off Merrimack. Kyle, I was at the game and we kind of talked back and forth during it. A zero zero game for almost fifty six minutes, and then Connecticut Whale draft pick Andy Anastas she scores one with two thirty left in the third to to escape a, a potential upset against the Merrimack Warriors. Were you a little surprised here? Yeah, Andy, if you want to report to the Connecticut Whale, uh, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, no, I was. I mean, I, this was an amazing uh, opportunity for the young Merrimack Warriors to to play against you know the best in the in hockey east and and to try to to take a win from them and you know going zero zero being right there for that whole time and and to lose it in the final minutes uh, obviously is a little heartbreaking but um, you know they're still a, the Warriors are still a very young team and and this was a I think this is still a good win for them even though it's a loss I think this is a opportunity for them to say hey look you know we just played with the best in hockey East for 56 minutes and, and we were in it the, the entire game and we just lost one to nothing. And, and, you know, when I'm looking at this game coming in and I look at the roster and I'm doing my prep, I I realize that Merrimack has one senior on their team. Everybody else is a freshman and a sophomore, Kyle. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. That that uh, you know the coach uh, Coach Hamlin went out and and she tried to get great young players that had a a uh, don't uh, give up mentality and a keep fighting mentality and and they are very young still and and uh, you know they've done a very good job this year of of staying in games or or even pulling out a few wins as well. So um, you know the goal is to just keep growing and. Uh, you know, they picked up another great class this past year, and, and hopefully it'll continue uh, forward next year with even more wins. Absolutely. And Merrimack, they dropped the second game in uh, in North Andover 3-1. to Indianasa scored the, the opening goal in that matchup. Uh, she's on quite a tear, so be on the lookout for that name. Indianasa is going to Connecticut Whale next year uh, in the NWHL. For now, we'll see uh, if things change, but she is uh, going to the NWHL. Um, and we saw St. Lawrence, number five in the country. They scored seven on Brown to win seven to two, and then they scored four against Yale. Uh, to win 4-1. to one. St. Lawrence looks like a really good team this year. You see Clarkson hold off Yale with three goals in the third to come back uh, on Friday and then on Saturday. Um, you saw Clarkson drop Brown 8-1. to one. So uh, a lot of big big games this weekend for ECAC teams. Um, let's jump into number four, Minnesota Duluth, Kyle. They picked up their first win against number two ranked Minnesota <laughs> for the first time in five years. This is huge. I mean, Minnesota Duluth I'm sure they had a celebration the rest of the weekend uh, because they had such an awesome weekend for them. And, and not only to beat Minnesota, uh, but to do it after so many years and so many tries. And it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a sophomore, uh, when you're a a Minnesota or, or in the area of Minnesota and you choose Minnesota Duluth, the goal is to beat the Gophers. And, and to do it twice this past weekend, that's just a, a great, great weekend for Minnesota Duluth. Absolutely. And not only that, but they end up sweeping Minnesota. So, so add to that, uh, right. after a 3-2 to two victory on Friday, they come back and, and win 5-3 to three on Saturday. So two big wins. We'll see how the rankings kind of put these teams now. As we saw a couple of mix-ups in, in the back half of the top five. Um, but we'll see, we'll see if, if there's a switch there in the, in the top five this weekend, after this weekend. We also saw Wisconsin come out on the ice, score nine against St. Cloud State uh, on Friday. Then they score two against St. Cloud State on Saturday. Might have used all their energy in that first matchup, but two big wins, two shutout wins against St. Cloud State for the number one Badgers. Your thoughts on Wisconsin, Kyle? I mean, we know what Wisconsin has in goal, and we know what, uh, what, they're, what they have to score. Um, you know, they're no, um, they're no amateur to the, the frozen four. And again, I think Wisconsin's going to be there and it's just a matter of, you know, how they play once they get there. Um, you know, last year we saw a great Wisconsin team come in, uh, but a, a great Wisconsin team got knocked out in the semifinals. So we'll see. Absolutely. That second game was a sellout, you know, pack, uh, pack, you know, fill the stadium, fill the rink kind of games and a record crowd there. Wisconsin, one of the best attendances in all of college hockey. Um, not now, but just throughout their time. So good to see that out in Wisconsin as well. Uh, on Saturday and Sunday, we saw BU, number 10 ranked Boston University. They skated to a 3-3 tie uh, with Vermont and then a 1-1 tie on Sunday with the Catamounts. Is Vermont, I mean, Vermont, they're a sneaky team because Sometimes they'll play these quality opponents and have these draws, 
Um, and, and so far this season, they have more wins than losses. Is a Vermont a team in the Hockey East that team uh, that people should be talking about? Well, yes and no. I mean, I I, I don't see Vermont, you know, coming out of Hockey East um, and and doing any damage in the playoffs. But but certainly, if we're talking about just Hockey East and we're talking about the Hockey East tournament, they certainly have an opportunity to to uh, mix things up a little bit, play a little spoiler. And, and possibly knock off a team here or there. I mean, if, if they stay where they are now, uh, they would be somewhere in the three or four range, and uh, that could mean that they're either taking on Northeastern or BC in the semifinals of the Hockey East Tournament. And, uh, you know, if they, could, if they could knock off one of those teams and head into the finals, again, anything's possible. Absolutely. Catamounts will have a big weekend series this upcoming weekend as they host Boston College in two games uh, next weekend. So that should be a good one. We will stay tuned for that one to see if that could be a big upset for the Catamounts playing the Eagles. Uh, Eagles not not riding on all cylinders right now here in the second half. Some really close games um, to start the second half. So we'll see if the Eagles can bounce back to their offensive ways. But let's move from hockey to basketball, Kyle. We had some incredible games going on this week. We saw UConn break their own record of 90 straight wins from 2008 to 2010 with 91 in a big win against SMU. We also had Michigan State on Tuesday upset Ohio State. Texas Tech take down number 18, West Virginia. Kyle for me, you know, Thursday I had some free time and I was looking up some of these games to watch and I stumbled upon number seven, Florida State, taking on number nine, Louisville. Uh, and this was one of the best games I got to see this year. Two ACC opponents, top ten opponents playing quality basketball. Uh, that was a close game for Florida State to win over Louisville. We saw Syracuse, a team that made it all the way uh, last year, unfortunately falling in the championship. Uh, any of these these, uh, excuse me, any of these games this week catch your eye. Uh, we'll get to UConn in a second, so take UConn out of it. Well, I mean, I I look at that uh, out west, that Oregon State-UCLA game. Uh, Oregon State, again, as you mentioned, Syracuse going so far last year. Oregon State went pretty far last year, too, and and so far it had a, a great season, um, not only in, in the Pac-12, but, but overall as well, and runs into a UCLA team um, who again is they can be hot or cold, and when they're hot, uh, you know they they can be very good. And UCLA knocked them off, uh, 66 to 56. So, um, you know, two top 20 teams going head to head in the Pac-12 is always a good thing. And this time, the the underdog came away with the victory. Absolutely, and we saw NC State today hand uh, number 12 Duke their third loss of the year, uh, a big win for NC State, 55-52, and you know, if there's a team that reminds me of that Syracuse team that made that run last year, it's it's the Wolfpack. They have three uh, three wins over top 15 teams, I believe, um, so so big big wins on the year for NC State, and we'll see, uh, we'll see if they can make a run. Um, later in in the year in ACC play and in the in the NCAA tournament. But let's get right to UConn, Kyle. I mean, we've talked at length about how great UConn is. We had our thoughts about, you know, they're going to play this team and lose, or they're going to play this team and, and they're going to get some trouble. But, I mean, they've handled every bit of adversity this year. Um, we talked about it last show. Their 99th game, if they get there, will be against South Carolina for number 100. What they did last night, uh, against SMU to make it to 91 is nothing short of, of historic and a moment that we should be cherishing. 
Um, I tweeted my W Sports's tweet last night and put Gino is the goat. And <laughs> for me, being part of the media, I've learned, especially here where we're promoting women in sports, that you know there's a certain terminology you want to use, right? And and you you get used to hearing things. And and last night, all I kept hearing was he's the greatest women's co- women's basketball college coach, women's basketball yeah. this, women's basketball that. And and with all due respect to, to John Wooden, Mike Shashevsky, um, Rick Pitino, all these great coaches, I mean, what he's done is is it solidifies him as the best college coach. Uh, I'll say college coach to, to you know because I think there are some great NBA coaches and WNBA coaches, but I'll say college coach. He's one of the best college coaches and one of the best coaches of all time, and he doesn't get that respect or recognition. What are your thoughts on that, Kyle? You're 100 percent absolutely correct. And let's not forget, you know, not only um, not only college basketball coach, but women's national team coach as well. And and he's had plenty of wins on that uh, level as well. And this is a guy that that took a UConn team that was that was it was UConn. It it wasn't anything. It wasn't winning the Big East. It wasn't something that anybody talked about. And you know, he started pulling this team together over 20 years ago now and and got his first championship back in 95 and, and has just since then turned this into the greatest dynasty of all time. And, I, and when I say the greatest dynasty of all time, I'm talking about the professional NBA. I'm talking about WNBA. I'm talking about men's college basketball, women's college basketball, all of it. This is the best dynasty for the past 20 years of all time. And, you know, when you think about what he's been able to do, you talked about it, and it was funny because Gino said it during the broadcast. He said after the game, you know, after we went 12 and 15 in my first season, I never thought I'd make it to 90 wins in my career at UConn. (laughs) He's done 90 in – and back-to-back sequences in 08 to 2010, and now, and not only that, Kyle, we're 91 and counting. And counting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity for for UConn and for Gino to extend this for as long as they'd like. And And again, we talked about it last week. I don't see it happening while they're in American play. So the next opportunity is going to have to be that, that uh, game against South Carolina on uh, February 13th. And I know I'm excited for that game. It's going to, it's going to be something incredible. Uh, UConn is 16 and 0 right now, Kyle. When, when you think about, what they've been able to do, 11 national championships since 1995, uh, a bulk of those coming since 2000. This is the greatest dynasty. So why isn't the media treating it like it? Why aren't people talking about Gino as the greatest coach ever? Unfortunately, because it doesn't get the same play that the men's does. I mean, you, you have, you have almost every game uh, not being televised on on ESPN. I mean, this should be every UConn game should be on ESPN. This is the greatest team ever. All you know now that they have 91 wins, and it's not being played. And I don't understand why not. You know, I, if I've I've turned on and I've seen Louisville uh, men's basketball team. I've turned on and I've seen you know Duke basketball team. 
but I have a team, I know of a team that that is better than those two teams, and that's the Yukon Huskies. And I, I want to see more. And unfortunately, it's either uh, I have to have the sports package to go see them on a small channel somewhere else, uh, or or I have to look online for it. And and I agree, Kyle. I think that's that's something that we have to fix. When you think about uh, turning on the TV on a Saturday night when UConn's playing and you see drone racing on ESPN2, I, I think they can move some things around so that people can watch, you know, a UConn team or even some of these other teams in the top five. Uh, Maryland's having a great year. Baylor has bounced back since that loss to UConn. I mean, there's so many talented teams out there that people don't get to watch, um, and it, it, it becomes frustrating to a point, does it not? Oh, absolutely. Beyond frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, as we, uh, as we wind down here on MyW Sports, Sports Sunday, we, uh, we have a lot going on this week. We're looking for a lot of great things in our future. So if you are a future writer, if you're somebody interested in promoting uh, women's sports, women in sports, the history uh, and talented players of the current and the past, reach out to us at MyWSports.com or, or send us an email, uh, MyWSports at gmail.com. You could always shoot us a DM as well on social media. We're looking for more writers. We're looking for more talented individuals to, to help us create an atmosphere where it isn't abnormal to see women's sports on TV or or uh, to hear coverage on games such as the number 91 uh, consecutive win. And I guarantee you in the 70s, uh, I think it was the 70s when John Wooden finished up his his streak, uh, people were going crazy about it and calling him the Wizard of Westwood. So I think it's time that we start appreciating women's sports. And Gino said it as well on that broadcast that, you know, women's sports is still underappreciated. Uh, and and I, I completely agree with those sentiments, Cal. I know you do as well. Uh, so, again, if you're interested in joining our staff here at MyW Sports, reach out to us, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, Kyle, anything we missed or anything you want to add on before we wrap up here? Yeah, I just want to add on. We didn't get a chance to uh, to talk about it last week, but uh, Michaela Schifrin gets her 24th slalom win last weekend. Uh, this weekend, the racing in Switzerland was canceled due to too much snow. So no racing this this weekend, um, but they'll be back in action next weekend. Too much snow. Who complains too much about too snow. much snow? I, I certainly don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like Boston. We get snow and, and this blizzard one day, and then it's like 70 the next day. So you, you can't make up your mind. All right, Kyle. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you joining me here on MyW Sports. For all our fans, make sure you follow us on social media at MyW Sports uh, as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Friday Favorites. Again, if you have any ideas for these days on social media, please let us know. Visit us on mywsports.com and you can always make a donation at gofundme.com forward slash mywsports for Kyle Westcott I'm Luis Sanchez and we appreciate you listening in here on Blog Talk Radio iTunes SoundCloud wherever you're tuned in thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next Sunday here on mywsports Sports Sunday have a great week and again follow us at mywsports on social media